following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Take out your Bibles, will you, and open up to Mark chapter 2 this morning. Mark chapter 2. And in Mark chapter 2, I'm going to share a sermon with you today that has been on my heart. Really, when I got here, I asked Pastor John, Pastor John, what direction do you think the Holy Spirit wants us to go today? And he began to share with me the direction that we feel that we needed to go. And the Lord has put this message on my heart for you today. And the sermon is called, Can You Dig It? Can you dig it? You know what that means? Can you understand? Can you dig it? Can you dig? You, you know, you dig what I'm saying? Can you dig it? Everybody say, I can dig it. Can dig it. One more time. Say, I can, dig it. I can dig it. Today, I want to talk to you about some things that are really, really important to a church. You know, some amazing things have been happening in our church. A lot of people have been giving their life to Jesus. And I've been hearing the great reports of what's going on here at North Shore. Pastor John is pouring out, you know, just sharing things with me. And it's just absolutely, I want you to know, to me, this is just amazing what God is doing in this place. But I also want you to know that when I got here two years ago, I gave a message that I believe the Lord put it on my heart. He's absolutely right. I do have sermons. I've probably preached 2,000 original sermons ever since I was the age of 25, writing my own messages about 2,000 of those sermons, but I want you to know I don't have a folder of 2,000 sermons. I don't. I, I, I barely have a preaching folder that I go from church to church when I'm traveling, and I bust out my folder, and I go, hmm, which one do I think would work today? I don't really do that. There have been times that I've been at a church the night before or the morning, in, in that morning, the Lord changes the sermon, and I'm writing a brand new sermon at 6.30 in the morning. That happened to me last year for this church. That I, I, I never preached from that passage in 2 Kings chapter 4 about make room. But while I was at Manly Beach, while I was having my cappuccino and my latte, doing my devotions, I said, man, this is going to be good. They're not picking me up till 10 o'clock in the morning. I get to have a hot cup of coffee right here. Australia, you got the best coffee in the world. I just want you to know that. I mean, Starbucks, they should change the name to Star whatever. You know what I'm talking about? It's like bad compared. You fill in the blank. It's bad. I don't know if I can say that in church. It's bad compared to what you got here. You got amazing coffee. So there I am. I'm at Manly Beach. I'm drinking my coffee. And all of a sudden, I do my devotions on 2 Kings chapter 4. And the Lord says, the Lord wouldn't let me let go of that passage. I've read 2 Kings chapter 4. I've preached on 2 Kings chapter 4 when I was here two years ago. And the Lord put a message on my heart to tell you that the jars were the people, that the widow, she didn't think she had anything. He says, tell me, what do you have in the house? She goes, I don't know. All I got is a little bit of oil. He says, exactly. Now, this is what I want you to do. Go borrow all the neighbors from your jars, um, for their jars. Go get the Vegemite jars. Go bring all the jars to the house, right? And God will fill those jars with the, with the oil of his presence. We were singing about his presence. We're singing about, we're talking about bringing more jars into the house of God. The body, your body is a jar. The Bible says we have this treasure in jars of clay. We are made from clay. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And that's what the message I gave you three, three years ago. Last year, two years ago. Two years ago. Last year, 2 Kings chapter 4, Manly Beach, the Shunammite woman. She says, let's make room for this man of God when he comes by. Let's talk about the possibility of a growing family again. Let's talk about the possibility of making room for more people. And that's the message that I changed. And in one hour, I prepped that message. And today, I feel like God is doing this whole house theme 
right? Increase your house. Bring jars, people to the house. Today, I want to talk to you about a house in the New Testament during Jesus' time. It was a house that was so packed. This house was just hot. It was, stuff was going on in this house. It was hopping. It was jumping. It was going crazy. And people were amazed at what was happening in this house. And I want you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 2, and I want to read it before I get too excited and start preaching the message before we've read the passage. It says in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof over or above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? That is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Verse 8, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, look at this. He said, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier for me to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers, and they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. We have never seen anything like this before. Everybody bow your heads and let's pray. Father, we ask in Jesus' name, we thank you for your presence that is right here, but Lord, I ask for your power. Lord, I, help, I, I pray that you help us to listen, and God, I pray that you help me to preach like never before. Lord, use this word. Thank you for the logos of the word, the word that has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, your word says, that has been written, the written logos of the word. But Lord, I ask this morning that you transform the lo- logos of the word and you make it rhema, the revelation of that logos for our lives and for this church, Lord. I thank you for bringing me here today thank you lord we love you we praise you in jesus name and all god's people said amen amen Amen. there's some things that i was thinking about while i was reading this some things that some observations but before i get into that you know jesus loves the house you know the house is the church you know that the house is a vision or it is a picture of the church as a matter of fact david or jesus said this i will build my church matthew chapter 16 verse 18 he said i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it jesus loves his church he loves the house of god this is the house of the god of god you have come to the house of the lord it was raining outside but you said i'm coming to the house of god no matter what it might you know it, it might have been a storm outside it, it would it could have been really bad outside but you said that i am going to the house of the lord and that's where you are you're in the house of the lord you know i love the house of the lord I praise God for the house of the Lord. Not do I get to pastor a house of the Lord in Hawaii. That's a great thing to do. But not only that, but let me tell you, even before I became a pastor, I, I, I found my wife in the house. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Not, no better place to find a wife than in the house of God. No better place to find a husband than in the house of God. And uh, so, you know, you can stop going to the club, you know, stuff like that. That's where I used to go before, before I got saved, in the club. Anyway, 
I guess you don't club. Right on. That's good. That's good. That's good you don't club. Well, I used to club, and so you can't find a good wife, and you can't. But, you know, I just don't want to do it. Anyway, I found my wife in the house. Let me backpedal, get myself out of that mess. Found my wife in the house. I learned how to buy my first house in the house from the teaching of the Lord in the house. I had my kids in the house. No, well, they didn't, my wife didn't get pregnant in the house. But you know what I'm talking about. We had, you know, my kids, I raised my kids up in the house. I had a great time. I love the house of God. As a matter of fact, David said in Psalm 92, verse 13, he says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall what? Shall flourish in the courts of our God. I would say my life flourished in the house even before I came, became a pastor. A lot of people think, oh, you were born a pastor. I was not born a pastor. You should have seen my life before I became a pastor. And I praise God for what he did. I'm going to tell you about that. But I love the house. And so when I've been looking at this house and preaching about this house, you can see that these four friends had heard that Jesus was coming to the house. Now, so there's some observations I want to share with you about this passage when it comes to the house of God and what has happened with Jesus being in the house. The first observation is, this is what I noticed, is the word was being preached. Everybody say preached. Come on, everybody say preached. The word was being preached. You know, whenever you preach the word, it's a great ingredient for an awesome move of God in a house. You got to preach the word. I know Pastor John is a great teacher. Pastor, Bob, Pastor John oversaw the Bible college for the ACCs. I mean, talk about the word of God. He can deliver the word of God. He can preach the word of God and teach the word of God like nobody's business. You are in a house of teaching and preaching, and it's such a privilege to be under that kind of a ministry. You, the, how, the word was being preached. See, not only was the word being preached, though, let me tell you right there. Secondly, the house was packed. That's my second P. The first one, the word was being preached. Number two, the house was packed. I would say we're close to capacity here today. We are so, you are so close to capacity. If everybody who said, oh, honey, it's, I think it's raining. I think I want to stay home. If those people showed up, you'd be packed today. It would be absolutely packed. I mean, you are close to being packed. The word was being preached. It was packed. And there was a whole lot of people in that place. A whole lot of people. Isn't that amazing? When the word is preached, where his presence is there, because that's the fourth P, there was a presence. The presence of God was there. When the people are present, when the Holy Spirit is present, when the word is being preached, when you've got people who are there, let me tell you right there, you've got all the ingredients of a great church right there. It's an awesome church. But revival was about to break out in that house. And they didn't even know it. They were about to see the last P, the power and the demonstration of God's powerful move in their life. But they had, they didn't, have, they'd never seen anything like that before. And God was about to do something amazing in their lives. God was about to shake their world. God was about to stir up the dust in that house. And they would never be the same like they were before. And I want to say North Shore, I really feel that. It's with all my heart. This is my third year here. I believe God's going to do something, a demonstration of his power. I really think God's going to stir some things up in the air. I really think some things are going to be dug through and broken down in order for God to do a powerful move because you got all the ingredients. You got the people. You got the presence. You got the presence of God. You got a packed house. You got all the ingredients. I believe God's going to do an amazing thing. Can I get an amen? amen? Come on, everybody. Let's give God the glory because I believe that's going to happen with all my heart. When I begin to think about this, 
I think about the four friends. Can you imagine the dialogue? Hey, bro, Jesus is coming to town. Well, we say bro in Hawaii. You'd say, mate, hey, mate, Jesus is coming to town, mate. We got to get you going. You can imagine the four friends, how they spoke to one another and said to one another, I don't know what their names are. I, I don't know what, na- what these four friends' names are. I don't know what the paralyzed guy's name is. It's amazing. I would give them names. We can give them some names right now. But let's call the guy who's paralyzed and on a mat. Let's just call him Matthew because it makes sense. Matthew's on a mat. Okay, so anyway, Matthew. So Matthew's paralyzed for one reason or another. We have no idea if he was born that way. We don't know if he was born that way. We don't know if an accident happened to him. We don't know if it was adult negligence. We don't know how he ended up on a mat. But we do know that he is incapacitated and he cannot come to the house by himself. And somebody has to have a heart for him. And somebody's got to go tell him. So the four friends, I don't know who's the ringleader of the friends, but one of the ringleaders of friends, because you'll always find a leader amongst the friends, and they speak to one another and somebody says man we got to bring Matthew to the house I heard Jesus is coming back to Capernaum so what they do is they they get they they talk to each other I don't know if you're gonna go he's got to go yeah but he might say no who cares we'll pick him up he can't do anything anyway we're taking him so then the four friends they get together and they they look at Matthew and they say hey Matthew we're going to see Jesus I can just imagine him said I don't want to see Jesus Lying down on that mat. Come on, Matthew. We're going to go help you to see Jesus. Yeah, I heard all about Jesus. I'm not really interested in that. I think I'm okay just where I'm at. Leave me alone. My life's okay. You don't mess with my life. I'm all right. Don't get my hopes up. Don't get my dreams up. I don't want to start dreaming again. You don't know what it's like to be in this mat. You know you got friends who are on mats right now. I got friends who are on mats. You got friends who are on mats. We got friends who said they would not come to church by themselves unless you bring them. There's no way they would come. They would use an excuse like we use in America all the time. Man, if I walked into that church, all the walls would come down. Or if I walked into your church, all the statues would start falling down. You know, if you went to Catholic church. All my friends would say that. If I I walked into your church, I said, no, bro, don't worry. You're not that good. (laughs) You're not that good of a sinner. The, the, The walls wouldn't come down. As a matter of fact, God wants you there. We got a lot of friends who are on mats. We got a lot of loved ones who are on mats. And maybe they've never been before. Maybe they kind of think they know what they're missing, but they really don't know what they're missing. But it's got to take somebody who wants to bring them to the house. So I imagine the conversation that's going on there. So they pick up their friend Matthew, and they put him on their shoulders. And so they start walking to the house. But all of a sudden, they see. Can I walk down here, Pastor John? Thank you. And all of a sudden, they see that the house is packed. Like, man, there's no parking there's no parking back in the day. But you can imagine, that's the big complaint that we get in Hawaii. Oh, there's no parking. And they turn around and they leave because there's no parking. The people don't want to walk. You can imagine the discouragement that they must have had when they came through. Or maybe just for a brief moment, just a little bit of discouragement. And said, you know what? We came all this way. We walked with Matthew. He's super heavy now. He's not exercising, so he's a little heavy. So we're going to have, we're, sorry. But we're going to have to do something. When they got there, they probably got all excited and they got there and they saw everybody there. So, man, I don't know what we're going to do. And somebody's a leader in that group. And somebody probably stood up and said, one of the four guys says, bro, we are going up on the roof. No, we're not going on the roof. We can't go on the roof. We're going on the roof. That's not our house. I don't care. We're going on the roof. <laughs> now, I don't, you know how Middle Eastern homes are built in those times, and some of them still built like that today. It's a lot of mud, a lot of brick, but on the top is where the families used to hang out on the top. And so you'd have a stairwell on the outside in order to get on the top, because when you went up to the top... It was cooler than it was in, inside the house, especially during the late afternoon. They would sit up there. It's kind of like their, their living room would be up on the roof. So the house is packed. The Bible says there was no room in the house, and, and, and people were standing outside the door, and Jesus is preaching the word to them. 
Jesus is in the house. He's preaching the word. He knows what's going on. He's God, man. He, can, he knows everything. And all of a sudden, these four guys make it five now because they got a man on the mat. They go up to the top of the roof. And while they're on top of the roof, maybe grabs a piece of pottery, maybe grabs a stick or something, and they start digging through that roof. Now, in those days, let me get a drink of water. I'm sorry. I'm getting so excited. My mouth's getting dry, and I'm spitting right now. But it's anointed. So anyway, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> so they start digging. And they start digging. Somebody starts digging. Man, this is crazy. You can see Matthew looking over. Guys, we're going to get in trouble. Oy vey. What are we going to do? That's not good. We're good Jewish boys. And they keep on digging and, and digging. Just be quiet. Just be quiet. I got you all the way up here. Don't, you know. And they're, and they're digging. And they're digging. And they get through all the thatch. And they get through all the, sorry, I just spit. And they get through. All the stuff that they got to get through the rubbish in order to keep on digging. They're willing to dig when nobody else is willing to dig. They're willing to go deeper when nobody else is willing to go deeper. They're willing to get through all the rubbish and get through all the excuses and get through all the letdowns and get through everything. To finally, they get a hole that opens up. And I can see Jesus is teaching right there. He's got his scroll open. He knows what's going on. And all of a sudden, a little bit of, a, a, a little, you know, a little bit of um, dried mud falls on his beard. Tuck. Falls on his, falls on a parchment. Tuck. And all of a sudden, everybody's looking up. The owner of the house is going, that's a big rat up there. Oh, my God, a possum. I heard you got possums here, Pastor John. He's looking up at the possum. It's not a possum. He sees a human face, and he's looking at that thing. And all of a sudden, the whole room fills with dust, and the sunlight's coming down. And it looks like God is there. And like, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. Like Handel's Messiah just starts all of a sudden. And the dust, you can see it all in the sunlight. And I can imagine the owner of the house goes, what are you doing? Oh, in there. You're breaking up my house and getting all excited and getting all upset. And they keep on digging. Just keep on digging. Just keep on digging. They're digging at risk. What if all five of them dropped at one time? Boom. Anyway, that would be hilarious. And they just keep on digging. And they keep on digging. You know what I love about it? They're willing to dig through anything they've got to dig through to bring their friend to Jesus. They're willing to do it. They put their friend on a mat and now they begin. I don't know how they lowered him. But how many of you seen Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise back in the day? No hydraulics back then. Probably lowering him down. Hang on. Hang on, Matthew. We got you. He's probably like going like this and boom, falls right in front of Jesus' feet. And Jesus looks at him and he looks up in the, up in the sky now into an open roof. He sees four heads looking back at him. He sees the stunned onlookers. He sees the Pharisees going... You can't do that. He sees the Pharisees. He sees the owner of the house having a cow just going crazy. My house. And then he looks at the guy and he says to him, my son, your sins are forgiven. The guy's at the top and going, what? We didn't bring him for forgiveness of sins. We, we brought him for a healing. The Pharisees are looking at that going, you can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive him. Of course, they didn't know he was the Messiah. Right in front of them. Everybody's going, wait, 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 wait. This does not make sense. I brought you here for this, but you get that instead. Guys, you know what? Everybody's got their own reason for coming to the house. Everybody's got their own motivation for why they showed up in the first place. Everybody's got a story to tell of why we ended up in the house of God, why we first came back to church, why we went to church for the very first time. Everybody in this house has got their own story. You got a story. You got a story. 
You know, I got a story. I was a single dad. A lot of you remember this. 21 years old, brokenhearted, lonely, all by myself. And I was raising this, my little two-year-old daughter, Courtney, all by myself for three years, guys, for three years. I didn't know God like I know him today. I definitely didn't know him. But my friend Brandon, thank God, had enough courage to drag me to the house of God. I was on a mat very much. I was very much like Matthew on a mat. I was suicidal. I had no dreams for my life. I had no more goals for my life. I thought that nobody would love me. I didn't, and you know what? He brought me and I said yes to go to the house, get on that stretcher and go to the house because I felt that I needed God to heal my heart some way, somehow. But you know what? I thought I was going to get my marriage back. I thought I was going to get my heart healed. I had reasons for going for this reason and for that reason. But guess what God did ultimately in, the, in the, that Sunday, my first Sunday back in church? He saved me and forgave me of my sins. The same thing with all of us. We've all got our reasons for coming to the house of God. Some of us would come for different reasons. I was a youth pastor for five years. We had guys who would always come, and they would, they, would, they, would, they would come to church to check out the girls. That was their reasons. And I knew that that's why they were coming to church. And um, they were coming to church, and this one, this one group of guys, there was one going on this one school. And this one school, they were reaching a lot, this girl was reaching a lot of people for Jesus. Her name was Melanie. She was reaching a lot of people for Jesus. And a lot of guys would come to church because Mel was there. She's one of our leaders, and they wanted to be around her. So they came in, and in the third week, I think they gave their life to Jesus. Then the next week, right before Christmas, we had a Christmas program come up, and they said to me, I said, Pastor Mike, would you mind if we did a Christmas, you know, if we did a Christmas song, me and my friends? I'm like, wait, wait, you just got saved. I mean, I'm, I don't know what kind of music. He says, no, the music, it's got God in it. Don't worry. And it's going to be about Christmas and there's God in that and stuff like that. I go, okay. Well, I said to one of the other student leaders, which is a big mistake. I said, Chris, no, no, not that Chris. I said, Chris, I said, would you do me a favor? Can you make sure that you listen to the CD and listen to the song a week before, before we say yes, that they can do this song? He goes, all right, I'll make sure I do that. I said, all right, thank you very much. And I trust you, Chris. He goes, thank you. Well, the next week, the Christmas party's here. And those boys who just got saved three weeks ago, who really, you know, really is just barely out of the world, came in with red turtleneck sweaters. You know what I'm talking about? Gold chains. And they said, Pastor Mike, we are ready. We're ready to sing for your Christmas program, for your youth ministry. I said, well, it sounds really good. They were all in high school. I said, did Chris give you the pass? He said, you could do it. He goes, yes. Chris said we could do it. I said, Chris, is the song good? Chris said, the song is good, Pastor Mike. Let's roll. So they get up there. And all of a sudden, now these are hardened boys. These are boys from the, you know, from kind of like the hood, the projects, you know what I'm talking about? They're rough, they're tough kids. we the kind of people that we want to reach and exactly the people that need Jesus just like me. And so all of a sudden, the music goes on and all four boys are standing like this. They've got their microphone in their backhand and all of a sudden, the music goes on and it doesn't sound like a Christmas song really. It kind of songs, sounds like a Mariah Carey hip-hop boys to men Christmas song. The music goes on and all of a sudden, I hear the boy, his name is Irwin, he turns around and he goes... Yeah, girl. <laughs> and he starts singing a Christmas song. And yeah, God was in it. God gave you to me this Christmas. That's as far God went in the song. It was, it was pandemonium. The kids who are all saved looking at me like, what did you just do? The, the, you know, the kids who not, who just checking out the church are like, wow, this is pretty cool. They sing that song in church. And all of a sudden, one of the, boy in the boys in the back row was looking at one of the kids who was new who was singing. Something happened with them school that week, and they were about to fight at school, and now they were going to bring it into church. And so one boy in the back looked at them and said, you guys are terrible, yelling at him. And he dropped his mic. Everybody stopped, and we had a 
big fight in church in the youth ministry. Right there on the spot, I just ran. All right, cut the music. Stop, everybody. And you know what? It was crazy. And let me tell you right here, sometimes when you're trying to reach people, not like these high school kids, but it's going to get a little bit messy in the house. Are you willing to let the dust fly wherever it goes? Are you willing to let a hole open up in your ceiling? Are you willing to let, can you dig it, everybody? Can you dig? Do you dig what I'm saying? Do you dig that it's going to get a little bit different? Do you dig that it's going to be a little bit different like it was before? Do you dig that God's going to use this man and this woman even more than ever before? Can you see what God is doing when we all start digging together? You know what? I was thinking about this. I got another observation. Guess who had the most fun? The guys who brought the friend. I mean, they lower him down. Boom. He goes, my son, your sins are forgiven. Everybody got a motivation, reason for coming to the house. But he says, my son, your sins are forgiven. But then he goes, since I am the son of man, I want to prove to all of you that I can do this as well. And so he says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And he gets up. Can you imagine How crazy that house was at that moment. Can you imagine everybody seeing the power of God for the very first time? He had everything. He had preaching the word. He had people. It was packed. It had his presence, but it didn't quite. They did not see the power of God happen on that kid. And let me tell you right now, the greatest work of the Holy Spirit is not necessarily a healing. Jesus proved to us it's salvation. It is saving somebody who doesn't know Jesus. That was the harder work. That was the greater work. And that is the work that God wants to do. And I want to leave you with three simple things this morning, you guys. Three things about characteristics needed of the redeemed. And that's me and you. We're all redeemed. If you know Jesus, you're redeemed. What are the characteristics? It's not like if you got this, then you can do it. And if you got this, you can do it. If you got these three things, then you can. No, you have these things. You just got to start using them. Now, here's number one. Characteristics of needed of the redeemed. Number one, it's going to take a ton of compassion. It's going to take a ton of compassion. You're going to have to be compassionate for people that maybe you kind of overlook sometimes. That maybe we pre-qualify like somebody who's going to buy a house with a, you know, with a mortgage company and they pre-qualify by putting it. You say, I pre-qualified them already. They don't wouldn't like church. Uh, they probably wouldn't say yes to Jesus. You know what I've learned? The people the most far from Jesus are the ones that actually need Jesus the most. The ones that act like they can't stand the church are really sometimes the ones who would be the ones who would come to church first. Don't pre-qualify anybody. Compassion. I'm thankful that my friend Brandon had compassion on me, that he saw my need, and he was my best friend. He walked me through this whole thing being a single dad. He was with me, and he had compassion, and I trusted him. And some of you guys have the trust of your family and your friends and your coworkers like nobody else has because you've walked with them. You've sat with them. You've talked to them. You've had lunch with them. You've prayed a little bit for them. You didn't get weird on them. You know what I'm talking about? They trust you. And compassion rules the day. I thank God for the compassion that my friend Brandon had on me and was good enough to say, Mike, I'm going to bring you to church with me. Compassion. Compassion. You know, Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't pre-qualify anybody. He didn't pre-qualify. While we were still sinners, God died for me and for you. See, it wasn't about my friend's comfort. 
although he could be real comfortable and say, Mike, you know, I just want to come to church and just be by myself sometimes. This is my sanctuary. This is how I get recharged, Mike. And I just kind of, I just like being alone at church. I said, I thank God that he didn't use that on me. I thank God that he didn't say, you know, Mike, you know what? When I feel good and I feel filled, I'll bring you to church. I thank God that it wasn't about his comfort. See, the other thing is this, is these four guys, they didn't need a class. Didn't need to be told how to evangelize somebody. Didn't tell you four happy hops to heaven. Didn't need, you know, they just knew that their friend needed Jesus and they ran with compassion. You don't need a class. You already got Jesus. You already got him inside of your heart. You already have met the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You've already seen him do great things in your life. Hey, maybe you can take a class, but hey, don't stop reaching people for Jesus because you took a class. Bring the people with you. Bring the people with you. I love it that number one, you got to have a ton of compassion and you've got compassion. Heart for people who don't know Jesus, a heart for people who cannot get on that mat by themselves. Compassion rules the day. Number one, characteristic is a ton of compassion. Number two, it's an overpowering conviction. You, we've got to have an overpowering conviction knowing that if I bring them to the house of God, something's going to happen to them. God is going to touch them. He's going to speak to them. Maybe they might get saved. Maybe they might get healed. Maybe God can put together their marriage again. Maybe he might have a dream again or she might have some hope again. But there's this overwhelming conviction knowing that Jesus is in this house. His presence is in this place. And there's nothing like being in this presence. It's an overwhelming conviction that, man, this is just so good that I got to tell somebody about this. This is so good to be here that I want to be with somebody. I love the house of God. And when you love the house of God, you tell your friends about it. When you love something, you tell, man, Chris, did you just see a movie last night? What did you see? Man of Steel. Okay, I won't hold it against you. But let me ask you a question. Just kidding. So Man of Steel, would you tell anybody to go see Man of Steel? Did you tell anybody this morning, hey, you got to go see the movie? Not yet, but would you? Okay just, for, okay, just for sermon's sake, you will. All right, so anyway, he's going to tell people, you got to see Man of Steel. You got the greatest thing on earth, the greatest thing from heaven right here on earth called the church. And one day, the church will not be here. This, is, this will expire one day. And one day, Jesus is going, he's going to blow, he's going to whistle. Well, actually, trumpet call. And the whole church, not the building, but the people, boom, we're gone. It will not be here someday. They say it's soon. It's, I think it's soon. It's coming soon. Like a thief in the night. It will not be here. This is the greatest thing from heaven right here on earth called the church. And it will only be here for a limited time. Bring people to the house while you can. Bring them to the church while you can. Tell them about the church while you can. It's an overpowering conviction. Psalm 69 verse 9 says this, passion for your house consumes me. I love the house of God. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He said, I love the house of the Lord. Number one, a ton of compassion. Number two, it's an overpowering conviction. And then here's number three. Number three, you got to have a, you got to be a little bit crazy. Just a little bit crazy. It's a little bit crazy to dig through some roofs, to get through some barriers, to convince your family and friends to come with you and then bring them to the house of God. You got to be a little bit crazy, a little bit cuckoo. You just, you just got to be just a little bit crazy for God. Because why? The Bible tells us right here in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 15, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And but who, but how can they call on him to save them 
unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. I want to ask the piano player, Steve, if Steve could come back up. And I'm going to end right here, just about, hey, listen. All these observations of what's going on in the house and all these characteristics of people who are the redeemed, me and you, having compassion, having a conviction, being a little bit crazy, all those things, let me tell you, add up to something absolutely amazing. Can you imagine the people in that room that night, that morning, sitting there, watching all this? I'm glad it's not my house. They might have been thinking to themselves, glad it's not my house. Man, if it was my house, I would protest. Man, if it was my house, I'd say, what are you doing? You can't do that here. If it was my house, I would say, man, what gives you the right to dig through my roof, bringing down walls to bring in people who need healing? What's, man, if it was my house, and you know what? Then they'll probably never see anything like that happen in their house. They'll never see things that they've never seen before in their house because if they're not willing to do what other people, that homeowner, he don't realize it, but God used him and partnered with the paralyzed man. God used the homeowner to partner with the guys who were digging. Jesus partnered with the homeowner. And I bet you after the homeowner saw that guy stand up to his feet, pick up his mat, roll it up, spike it like a football, Right? Walk out of that room. I bet the homeowner didn't even care. I bet he's like, doesn't matter. It's just mud and brick. It's just thatch and wood. It's nothing. Nothing we can't replace. But what I just saw in my house happen because people brought them. Not just people watching, people brought them. I have never seen anything like that before in my life. Never seen it. North Shore Church. North Shore. Your best days are ahead of you. You're going to see things happen like never before. You got the powerful word being preached in this place. You got the presence of God in this place. You got lots of people. You're pretty much packed. You're going to make room. God's going to do something. Who's on your heart? Who do you know? Uh, I'll bring, bring that family who we play footy with. I, I'll bring that single mom who needs some relief. I'll bring that down and out young man who that seems to have no hope. I'm going to invite my nephew. Give him a call and bring him with me. I'm going to put him on a mat, get him in my car, bring him to the house, some house, somewhere. I'm not going to ask once. I'm not going to stop it twice. I'm going to go three, four times. I'm going to act a little bit crazy. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I got so much compassion. I got to bring him here. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I got this conviction that if they come here, they will meet with Jesus. The songs will touch them. The worship will touch them. The preaching will pierce them. The people will love them. I got this conviction that God's going to do something. And we're going to do it together. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, I thank you for this message today. I pray that you seal it to our hearts. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here 
with North Shore and Pastor John and Ann. And I thank you, Lord, for the anointing and the power that has always been present in this house. And Lord, I thank you that you've done miracles in this place. But I also know, Lord, that you're going to do so much more. And you will through this man of God and the woman of God and the love of God in this place and the people of God who love one another and are willing to be whatever you called them to be so that you can do whatever you've called them to do. And so, Lord, this morning, I honor you. We bless you. Seal this word into our hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody say Thanks for listening. Listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 